I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. I'm with my friend Charlie Deist, who is not only the technician, he also keeps me on track with occasional questions and timely summarizations. This is episode four, Contemplative Prayer with Visual Images. So we're back in the courtyard this morning. We are discussing uh, contemplative prayer with visual images, and this will be accompanied by uh, some actual images that people can follow along with in the video version, or they can visit the blog to see what we're talking about. Uh, So first of all, just to start us off, tell us uh, what we're broadly aiming to do this morning, what we're learning. Okay, I'm going to give you um, the Uh, format, if you like, the structure of the prayer that I do regularly. Um, And what I'm hoping here is is I will describe why I've structured it as I have, what I actually do. We're not actually going to pray it, so uh, that'll be a relief to some. Um, But we're actually, I will describe the structure of it and um, how it fits in with my overall prayer scheme and my worship and why I feel it benefits my Christian life. And the way that I will do that, I will talk about the pictures that I've chosen um, and the themes that they contain and the the spiritual journey that it takes me on every time I meditate upon them and then pray on them in this uh, program of prayer, which I spend about half an hour a day um, on. It, It could be less than that or it could be more than that, depending on how much time you have. You have a quote here in uh, this document from Philippians chapter 4. It says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Why did you pair that quote with this podcast? Well, it's uh, really helping me to uh, set the the basic structure, which is uh, to be free to ask for things for God, but always begin with praise. And there is a, um, a structure in um, prayer which we we see in the liturgy where we have praise and gratitude and then penitence um, then petitions um, and then praise again so uh, or or gratitude so uh, you will see this pattern of of prayer uh, really um, working its way up into the everything that we do um, Say that again. Praise, so they're, they're thanksgiving. W- pr- praise and thanksgiving, and they can be separated out, um, and offering gratitude to God. Then penitence, Lord have mercy, uh, please forgive me. Um, and then we can ask for, um, for what we wish. That's petition. That's petition. And uh, we're told we can ask for anything. If we do it in Jesus' name, so I always do that, and you play safe. Um, but then I ask also that it is in accordance with God's will, and it'll be good for me, uh, as you'll see. Um, but that is a little structure that is included with each meditation. And I'll, I, well, we I'll come go, back to praise at the end. Yes, we come back to praise at the end, or uh, even penitence, actually. Mm-hmm. We have a sort of theme which just keeps us going as a sort of... Um, steady meditation that leads us into contemplation and I'll distinguish between those Um, but those are the the basic themes of prayer upon which the liturgy is structured praise, gratitude um, then 
penitence and petition. Hmm. Um, so, and it always begins with being grateful for what we have and praising God for what we have. Um, so we always start on the positive note, acknowledge that life is good um, and that we want to participate in what is good uh, and not dwell on the bad so much. Okay, so let's uh, maybe just launch right into the, uh, the path that we follow. You're, t- you're talking about this path of uh, cyclical path of Exodus and Redditus. Yes, so uh, the, the, the phrase is Exodus and Redditus I got from um, the writings of Benedict XVI. And he talks about this... this introduction to Christianity um, or a spirit I, of the I liturgy? I think it was the spirit of the liturgy. Um, I can't remember where precisely. I think it's the spirit of the liturgy. And he is talking about the, the pattern of the journey of the Israelites in the desert, where there's, there's this constant pattern of worship and then going out and then coming back to worship, which is established in the desert before they get to the Promised Land, after the exodus from Egypt. And then he makes the point that that is repeated for us in our uh, Christian lives, uh, that we... Uh, worship God and then we exit and we put into practice uh, the the Christian life, uh, love of God and neighbour in a different way if you like Um, and then we return um, hopefully transformed further deeper by our practice of love Um, and we then are better lovers as a result and we offer that love, receive God's love in the liturgy and offer it back mm-hmm. and it's a positive feedback cycle um, and then uh, so that is the broad cycle and the themes that and they'll, these will be brought out when I discuss the paintings and the different meditations um, but the theme is one of um, it begins with me being out in the world wanting to approach God um, and so I call on the Holy Spirit to approach that my approach to God is through Christ, the person of Christ, who is both human and divine. And as a person, a human person, I can relate to Christ personally uh, through the, in the Spirit. So the, I pray to the Spirit to draw me to Christ, um, and then united to the person of Christ, as in the way that I'm imagining this, um, I die spiritually in baptism. Um, and then I rise up spiritually in confirmation by the power of the Holy Spirit and then through the Eucharist uh, in this, these triple sacraments of baptism, confirmation and the Eucharist um, I partake of the divine nature and by degrees in some way transform bodily as well um, with the promise of course of uh, the bodily resurrection after my death in this life. Um, through this, I can enter into the mystery of the Trinity. I, I'm united to Christ, and it's an extraordinary privilege of the Christian uh, life that we are we become God as God became man, so that man could become God. And Maximus the Confessor said, "We are like God in every respect." Um, except we're distinguished from him in being. In other words, we're, we're separate entities. Uh, but we participate in what Benedict XVI calls the creative work of God. Um, and 
therefore through Christ I'm now united to the body of Christ which is also the church um, I behold the Father uh, and liturgy is just that the worship of the Father in the Spirit um, our petitions are addressed to the Father at each stage um, and that's why you always have that doxology uh, Father we ask this in Jesus name through the Holy Spirit who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit world in that end so it's addressing the father through the son in the spirit and then uh, I am dismissed and I go out into the world to uh, love God and man in my daily activity um, be an example as a Christian uh, and then the, that then the cycle would start again yeah the book the spirit of the liturgy played a pretty significant role in my coming to the Catholic Church. It was recommended to me by a priest who I saw when I was thinking of, of becoming Catholic. And I remember that section in the beginning about the Exodus, Redditus pattern. Uh, we, we come into this world and then our journey is one back to the Father. Uh, and, and that you're, you're describing a cyclical pattern that is rooted in a one-time event. There's uh, for each individual, there's the baptism and confirmation, but then it repeats itself in various rituals and in the liturgy. Similarly, for Israel, there there was the one time, uh, you know, the, the Exodus, E-X-O-D-U-S, as opposed to the Exodus, the E-X-I-T-U-S. Uh, and then Israel from that point forward is, is sort of... Uh, do you, Can you think of any examples in, uh, you know, what was... What was the liturgy like in, or how did how did the people of ancient Israel establish rituals to kind of commemorate or instantiate the same pattern? Well, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a great expert in that, but I, I, there is clearly a pattern of sacrifice. Um, as we mentioned in an earlier podcast, they were forbidden from creating graven images to w worship. So the golden calf was the great transgression. The Israelites were particularly, at this stage, susceptible to that because that's what they would they'd experience in Egypt. And so, in a sense, this period in the desert was purging them of this past practice. But the uh, it would have involved sacrifice. By the time they got to the temple, for example, and I presume that, I presume that this is uh, in Israel, this is what was going on in the desert, there was the, the main sacrifice uh, in the temple worship. Um, and then, uh, one of, at this stage, not the praying of the Psalms. Uh, they hadn't been written yet. Um, but in the book, of, I'm just reading in, in my Bible reading, the, the book of uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I've got as, that's how far I've got. And uh, a lot of detail on uh, the need for ritual purity and the sacrificing. And then days to be remembered in the course of the year that commemorates the events that took place in the in the exodus yeah um, the, te the tent dwelling the passion um, and a day of atonement uh, the three that just struck me and and is this something when we you know once we're baptized and confirmed uh it there is we're, we're kind of uh we're given a lot of grace to move forward with kind of confidence that we're on this path. Um, why is it that we need to have it cyclically 
ah, cemented uh, like this. Yes, okay. So there's, a, there's actually a, a couple of points. Is that the Christian worship, um, although it came out of the Jewish worship, is distinct. Uh, things, it, it isn't just um, the mass added to what existed previously. Um, it, it is a, a transformed worship. Um, and uh, the, the cyclical pattern, I just imagine that in my spiritual life, um, every day I have to die to Christ, which is what's happened in baptism significantly, um, that I, I, I move away. And that's why we need the, um, the sacrament of reconciliation. It, it, in a sense, it brings us back. Mm -hmm. we, we're constantly reverting to, to type, if you right. how I see it. Uh, and so I just remind me um, of this symbolically, if you like, of this journey constantly of acknowledging my faults, the, the dying of the old self and the raising up of the new spiritually, uh, which really was made possible by the one-off event. Um, and then um, the partaking of the divine nature is repeated in the Eucharist. And it's, it's a... Uh, I'm sure a theologian could describe this in much more detail far better than I could, but uh, I, I think of this, that the, the liturgy is in a cyclical pattern. There's, mm. there's the cycles in the day or the liturgy of the hours, the cycles in the week, the cycles in the year. And what I have in mind when I travel on this pilgrimage is uh, someone who continually needs God's grace to draw him back on this pilgrimage. And rather like... Um, pedaling a bicycle um, I'm doing the same actions over and over again, rotating the wheels by turning the pedals with my feet um, but in the process I'm moving forward I'm making progress um, and the other thing is that because this pattern is repeated cycles I also have in my mind um, a, a visual image of a of helixes or a helical path hmm. so not a, an, an enclosed cycle but one in which at each turn I'm moving forward like a corkscrew as well and you have the little cycle of the day which is moving me forward through a, a, gr a greater cycle of the week uh, the seven day week um, and then the greater cycle of the year uh, which of course Easter is at the centre of that and so uh, I'm moving in cycles, but I'm, it's, the, the, it's a helix within a helix within a helix, if you like. But I just think of it, if I just stay in there for the ride and do what I'm supposed to do, it will draw me up to heaven. Yeah, I think that what you're saying is actually a pretty good encapsulation uh, of what uh, Pope Benedict, then Cardinal Ratzinger, was describing in the spirit of the liturgy which when I read it on my Kindle, I think was the most highlighted ebook that I've ever <laughs> had in my, my collection. And so I just opened it up and I uh, found it was already open to a page that speaks pretty directly to this, which is pretty coincidental, but I'll just read this long paragraph where he says, uh, we were looking at the two goals of the Exodus and we saw that the issue was ultimately about the nature of the liturgy. Now it becomes clear that what took place on Sinai in the period of rest after the wandering through the wilderness is what gives meaning to the taking of the land. Sinai is not a halfway house, a kind of stop for refreshment on the road to what really matters. No, Sinai gives Israel, so to speak, its interior land, 
without which the exterior one would be a cheerless prospect. Israel is constituted as a people through the covenant and the divine law it contains. It has received a common rule for righteous living. This and this alone is what makes the land a real gift. Sinai remains present in the promised land. When the reality of Sinai is lost, the land too is inwardly lost until finally the people are thrust into exile. Here's the part that I highlighted. Whenever Israel falls away from the right worship of God, when she turns away from God to the false gods, the powers and values of this world, her freedom too collapses. It is possible for her to live in her own land and yet still be as she was in Egypt. Mere possession of your own land and state does not give you freedom. In fact, it can be the grossest kind of slavery. And he continues to, to talk about uh, the service of God, the freedom to give right worship to God appears in the encounter with the Pharaoh to be the sole purpose of the Exodus. Indeed, it, it, its very essence. Uh, so there, there's this idea that even if we are, maybe the analogy would be, even if we are baptized and confirmed as Christians, it's still, there still is this, uh, there's always the temptation to fall away from the right worship of God. Yes, uh, and um, but the, the, it's the worship of God which is so central to this. And uh, the, re the reason that I've picked these themes, and we'll, we'll get into the pictures uh, in, a, in a moment, I'm sure, um, is really to, to highlight the fact that my uh, meditation and contemplative prayer, which I do regularly, it's something that I've uh, developed and started to do much more regularly recently, actually. I always did some, but... I've reinforced it recently. Um, and it's really to show that it's in the service of the worship of God, that, that I, I'm just conscious in myself of this tendency to think that um, it's all about an experience, and especially with the, the way that meditation is presented very commonly today in a, in a non-Christian setting. As a, it's, it's about this, the success of it is about this feeling and how I feel during the course of it, um, whereas this really, it can feel good. It, it's it, it's a can be a very pleasant experience and a peaceful and calming, deeply calming experience. But that isn't really the point. The point is it, it's developing me as a person to be better able as I go out into the world or I encounter God in the liturgy to receive His love and to offer it back. It's developing those faculties. Um, and to recognize within the liturgy what is going on so that I can cooperate more mm -hmm. deeply. Okay, so let's get into the images. Uh, okay. Where do we start? Okay, so the first uh, meditation, uh, what I do each, I've got a, a, a picture of Andrei Rublev's Trinity, so also known as the hosp hospitality of Abraham. Abraham. Um, and so there's three angels who uh, Abraham doesn't realize they're strangers, their angels because he just thinks of them as three strangers uh, and he offers them hospitality um, and uh, he then uh, it, it, these, he discovers their angels afterwards um, and so they're depicted as three angels but then the church um, views these as representing uh, symbolically the three persons of the trinity and so you have Christ in the centre with a stole um, and then it's not clear which is which of the other two. One is the Holy Spirit, the other is the Father. Generally, probably, uh, I, I always think of the, the two of them are 
have their heads leaning in one direction towards the one on the left um, and the one on the left is has his head forward looking at the other two so I think that uh, the one on the left is the father but there are, there are arguments uh, either way but Father, Son and Holy Spirit um, in the Rublev Trinity of course there, there is the, the chalice on the table in the centre indicating uh, that it's through the Eucharist that we can enter into the mystery of the Trinity um, and so I would look at this and then I, what I do each time is I have a, a statement uh, which uh, I say as I look at the painting. Uh, and so in this case, it's blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons and one God. So I'm emphasizing the three persons of the Trinity. Then what I do is I do a Psalm of praise. And it's one of the shortest Psalms. It might be the shortest. Psalm 116 or 117, depending on which numbering system you use. Um, and I've memorized this, but uh, this will be written out on the blog. Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Oh, praise him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is more and more toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. And that's it. Then um, a bit of penitence. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Three Lord have mercies. And then a prayer, then the petition. And so in this case... Uh, I say, Father, may the Holy Spirit lead me to Jesus, and then say in Jesus' name, Amen. And then I have a period of, so that's, if you like, meditation and prayer, um, and uh, just looking at the painting as I do it. If I don't have the painting in front of me, because I do this regularly, I, I imagine it. I mean, you know, it becomes part of my imagination when, mm -hmm. I, when I do this, so I could do this in the train or on the plane or something. Um, and then I have a period of contemplation where I, I sit peacefully and just let thoughts occur to me. But in order to stop distraction, I just do a, a repetition of Jesus prayers um, and just do eight repetitions. Um, and I just think them. Um, and uh, if I find that I'm my thoughts are straying, if the thought is good, I might write it down. Let it, let, you know, follow it through to its conclusion. Allow it to happen. You can get some great ideas, but you can also think the most absolute nonsense could occur to you. Um, so if I realise that's what's going on, uh, then I just step up the volume, if you like, in my mind of the Jesus prayers hmm. and come back to it. Um, and the Jesus prayer for those who don't uh, know it is yes, of course. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, right. Which again is is a, comes from the Gospels. It's it's uh, was cried out by a man to Jesus uh, when he saw him. Um, so uh, that's the first one, and it's basically that structure. What changes is the proclamation and the petition at each time, and the painting. Uh, there's eight in all, incidentally, and I chose eight because eight is the, the number of Christ. Christ is sometimes called the eighth day, uh, and within that cycle that I talked about in the liturgy, the, 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 the numerical pattern um, is eight in the day, um, eight in the week. And you may say, well, aren't there seven days in the week? Uh, so, but, the, of course, the, uh, there's the traditional covenant of seven days Saturday to, to Saturday and then the eighth day 
is simultaneously the first day of the next week hmm. and the eighth of the last. Okay. And so I think of that as like a, a vector m movement vertically. If I'm going horizontally in a circle, the eighth day is also a movement upwards. And it's that that propels me forward, breaks me out okay. of the old covenant. And that pattern of seven plus one, the old covenant redeemed by the coming of Christ is there also in the uh, just in the pattern of prayer so mm. the, the psalm in, in the day there are eight hours as they're called but the Benedict Saint Benedict uh, of Nursia in his rule uh, said quoted the psalmist the psalms themselves Psalm 118 or 119 depending on the numbering seven times a day I will praise you O Lord and then he says again elsewhere, I will rise at midnight to praise you. And so there, are, this pattern of seven plus one is there. So I have reinforced that by having eight images. Okay, so and eight meditations in this cyclical uh, meditation in itself, just to be in harmony with it. Um, so that's the first one. The second one um, is a, a scene from van Eyck's Ghent altarpiece. Ghent is the place in Belgium and so this is a 15th century painting by a, a, a Flemish artist. Um, very very detailed oil painting showing all the saints and angels kneeling in front of the altar with the Lamb of God on it and then below the altar, which remember the altar is the body of Christ symbolically, mm -hmm. the Lamb of God is the sacrificial, all these images of Christ. Um, and then below it is the octagonal um, font with the living waters coming out of a fountain, but visually connecting it. In, in the perspective, it's in, it's in front of the altar, but if you view it as a flat image, if you like, it's directly below and the fountain the spurs of the fountain connects it to the altar you'll see what I mean when you see it and then above you have half a sun uh, with a dove in it uh, that's the rising sun and again you'll know from the spirit of the liturgy the sun is the image of uh, is uh, the rising sun uh, at dawn is, is a symbol of Christ and that's why Traditionally, we faced east in the liturgy. We're looking for the return of the S-O-N, symbolized by the sun, just as the, the sun, sun comes, out. comes out in our little courtyard, which is nice. Um, but you have the Holy Spirit. And so the, the worship of God is the worship of the Father mm. through the Son in the Spirit. It's the Spirit that, if you like, is, connects us, uh, is the relationship between us, between me and Christ. I relate to Christ as a person but it's in the spirit and then through Christ I relate to the father in the spirit he's mm -hmm. like the glue that holds us together um, and so you have the dove symbolizing the spirit within the sun the half sun and then these golden rays he's actually using gold paint that showers down if you like emanates out of that sun touching the, everybody and of course that is coming out and touching us it's the Holy Spirit drawing us in to Christ through worship. So, I see this. It's a beautiful, beautiful painting. Um, I think it's the second most visited in the world after the Mona Lisa in Paris. It's in Belgium. And 
uh, I say, blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. I repeat the psalm, Psalm 116. Then I say, Lord, have mercy three times. And then what I do, and again, you can change the petitions. This, this is what I do. Please, you saints and angels in heaven, pray for me to Lord our God that I might have all that I desire most deeply uh, that is good for me um, and uh, in addition send to me all that I need for my uh, salvation in Jesus name Amen so I aim high and, I, and as we've discussed in past episodes I always think that it's good to ask for what we want and ask for miraculous things and amazing things and good things God is capable of anything and you never know but we know for certain he will give us what we need uh, for our salvation. And that may well be these things, things that we want. If they're good, there's every reason to believe that they, they will come to us. God wants us to enjoy life and to be happy. And he'll give us what we need. And it's nice when what we want is what we need as well. With, with the inevitable trials and tribulations. But we know yes. those are going to happen. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They will come too. And that's why we have the vision for you process to help us deal right. with this and the christian life is really this is what it's about it's about hope in trial and and but it's we engage with life positively yeah. that's the wonderful thing about it we don't detach yeah uh and uh, we we enjoy the material aspects but properly right. in an ordered way and then we get the fullest out of life yeah i think it's important to emphasize that you say we ask for whatever we desire and all that is good, but only in accordance with his will. Yes. And that is what maybe distinguishes this kind of prayer from the power of positive thinking mantras or Napoleon Hill, think and yes. grow rich. Um, the, um, the third image. Okay. Here's Mary. Um, so blessed be the great mother of God, Mary most holy. Some will recognize these proclamations. I've taken them from a, a standard lit litany that's often said in church. Then the psalm, then Lord have mercy three times. And then I pray to Mary exactly the same prayer that she prays to God. And I ask God to hear her prayers. But also I pray that she show me her son. And in the image that I have, which is a Sienese painting, I think from the 14th century, the 1300s, beautiful uh, gothic image um, in egg tempera on a wooden panel Mary does what she does so well which is show us her son and so um, this is what I ask her to do and I, of course what I, my hope is that I will see him <laughs> that I will be able to recognize him and know him and thus be transformed with a relationship with him but Mary is helping me in that so I ask for that um, then the fourth now we come to Christ I'm, I'm uh, through the spirit I'm relating to Christ in, in this imagined pilgrimage um, and uh, I've seen Christ as a, a boy uh, in the image of Mary and it's from Mary that of course that he gained his humanity and I, I, could, I might think about the, the life of Christ and then I moved to Christ on the cross, and I, I picked uh, my absolute favourite, I think, crucifixion, which is Velazquez, the, the Spanish Baroque artist from the 17th century. Uh, anyone who's ever read 
and it, my blog will know that I, I use this all the time. It's my go-to crucifixion. Um, but I say, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, and then behold the Lamb of God. Of course, this is an echo from an earlier painting where we saw the Lamb on the altar, but here is Christ on the cross. That phrase comes from John the Baptist, who that's what he said when he saw Christ. But all of this is uh, referring to the Lamb as, as the sacrificial Lamb. Um, and he is sacrificing himself for me. So uh, the prayer, the petition in this case, and again I stress that this is uh, something that you can develop for yourself. You don't need to do precisely this format. Uh, I'm just doing this to, to help people. Um, they might wish to develop their own. Uh, some of you could do it far better than me, I imagine. Anyway, I say, oh God, take away my sins and the fears and resentments that arise from them. Let me die with you spiritually uh, through baptism. Um, amen. And I ask this through Jesus Christ who lives and reigns and so on. Um, and so I imagine myself dying spiritually with Christ as he dies on the cross. Um, amazing thing that I get a bit of, I had a free ride here. It's a painless death. Mm. little bit of water when I was a baby uh, but which Christ experiences in the most in the history in the most horrific terms not just the physical illness but all that spiritual suffering which I just dump on him <laughs> through confession and through the process of these, the sacramental life mm -hmm. and all those billions of people whose sins he's bearing and the misery that he's taking on himself willingly and then dying so that I can have this painless journey through the Christian life in, in that regard there are sufferings of course but uh, what is it about the Velasquez image that you find um, I one I just think it's a beautifully portrayed uh, the, the skill is, is so great I like the fact that he's shrouded in darkness and so you have the contrast between the light and the dark and uh, this is part of the Baroque language um, in that uh, the light they deliberately introduce shadow unlike Gothic or iconographic art so that the light um, it represents hope mm -hmm. uh, that transcends suffering um, because as you pointed out um, we will suffer to a degree in this life we're going to experience evil and suffering um, and uh, there is always hope in Christ and so that hope is there in the contrast between the figure of Christ the person of Christ and the the shadow that Velasquez has painted in it um, also <coughs> if you see the original it's in the Prado the uh, the gallery in Spain I think um, I'm always struck by first of all how his face is shrouded in darkness and mm. so what that does for me is emphasize uh, the person that th this is not a, a portrait of a so much of a particular person although Christ is a particular man in history but it's emphasizing those general human characteristics to which I can relate that that. Uh, it gives me something to aspire to, a standard to aspire to. Um, and uh, the other thing is that the, um, 
when I saw the original, it, it strikes you as it's a very big painting. I, I, I'm going to say 20 feet. It's a large painting. It's a big altarpiece that would go behind a, a grand altar. And um, it's one it, in the classic sort of Baroque style. You see it and it looks perfect as a distance. And then as you approach, the brushwork is is surprisingly loose and vigorous and almost um, it has this spontaneous look to it which is very surprising for something mm. that is so precise and it, it only knits together in focus when you re when you retreat mm. and it's forcing you back and it's part of this dynamic of prayer that says uh, be be calm I am with you it, the image jumps out at you so to speak uh, it is um, at a distance uh, it has an impact at a distance, and so that's that's why I I like that. Now, it's difficult to uh, have feel that dynamic when you're looking at a, you know, a photograph screen, on yeah. a computer screen, pixelated. Yeah, and, yeah, and all that sort of thing. But well, we'll try to find a there. high resolution <laughs> version, and maybe we can even yeah. zoom in a little bit on the yeah on the texture. Uh, so these four images, you picked them out. These are images that you use uh, each time you do it, or do you change them when you do um, rotate I, through? I, I pick them out, um, and I, yes, I find that I, do, I use the same ones. Once I, I might change them initially. I, I find what seems comfortable and what seems right. But for the most part, I don't want to change them too often because I want them to become familiar mm -hmm. and be impressed on my soul, so that, so that it's something that. Uh, the meditations, every time I see it, the, the, if I'm doing this regularly, then the meditation upon it, it's going to throw up new things all the time. And somehow all of those are connected in my memory to that image. It's an aid memoir, particularly, that when I see it, somehow all of that is in some way presented back to me. Right. Um, and so once I've got something that I'm happy with and I'm comfortable with, then I, I, I tend to stick with it. Okay. It, it also means that if I'm if I can't see them, it, it, it's in, in it's in my imagination, it's in my memory, mm -hmm. and so I can bring that image um, forward very easily. Okay. So we've made it through the the four images, and I noticed we skipped over one thing that I think you begin with, which is a short meditation of gratitude. Why do you do that, and what does that entail? Oh yes, I forgot to mention that that. that in my routine, I do a little bit of the uh, the daily routine that comes from the Vision for You process that was given to me all those years ago by David Bertwistle, actually. But it's just to, I want to be open to the Holy Spirit, so how do I do that? Well, I just, I just have a review of conscience, and so I look at my mm -hmm. resentments and my fears. They always come from sin, from self-centeredness, and so I just get rid of those. But then... I, because the pattern of prayer is when I want to, to, to when I want to be penitent, I begin by praising God. Um, part of the exercise that I was given by David um, was to uh, write a gratitude list. So I always do that. So the two go together for me in many ways. Um, and I didn't know what David was doing, but in a way he was priming me for the worship of God, even in these spiritual exercises, which. Um, from the first podcast we did, many will remember at this stage I wasn't Christian, 
I thought I was doing a sort of vaguely new agey thing um, and that's how David persuaded me to do it but actually he was priming me even in the structure of these daily suggestions for the worship of God by giving me a pattern yeah. that followed this this structure of praise and gratitude penitence and then um, then yes and then petition okay the fifth image right so the fifth one is Duccio the Italian artist the gothic artist and it is um, St. Thomas touching Christ um, and who is risen from the dead uh, but not yet ascended into heaven um, and he says of course he touches him and they in this period they eat with him so they know that he is bodily risen still human it's not a ghost uh, but he, but he is divine and the the great insight that saint thomas has at that moment he says my lord and my god that he is jesus christ the man but he is my lord and my god as well as he touches him and so the the statement is blessed be jesus christ risen from the dead my lord and my god and uh, the petition, so fitting into the same structure, of course, is, O oh God, let me rise spiritually through confirmation and receive the Spirit. I ask this through Jesus Christ. And so I just imagine that I died spiritually in baptism. Through confirmation, I rise spiritually um, again. And, that uh, same pattern. Yeah. And then the sixth, is uh, this is a Christ in majesty it's from the Westminster Psalter an English image from the 13th century the 1200s um, and it's this is a period that I, I like in art that I like there's a there's a great English artist called Matthew Paris who was a monk who lived in St Albans um, and did beautiful line drawings hmm. um, and a lot of them just observations of the world around him actually as well as uh, sacred art um, but there's a Psalter which contains work by him this this looks as though it's something that isn't by Matthew Paris it's a slightly different style but it's a Christ in majesty so he's sitting on a throne um, he's got that um, almond shape the, 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 the what looks like a fish without a tail uh -huh. vertical it's called a um, a mandola or a vesica um, which is the vesica from the word for fish I think and mandola for almond but it signifies the um, the creation um, creation out of nothing so Christ is the creator um, and it's actually constructed geometrically by having two circles hmm. uh, intersecting um, so this is Christ who has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father He's carrying the book, and then you see the uh, the angel, the eagle, the ox, and the lion, the symbols of the four evangelists, taking the word out to the four corners of the world. Um, and then there's a beautiful pattern border, which again is what I love about this uh, illuminated art in the Gothic period. So the proclamation for this meditation is, blessed be Jesus Christ, ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Paraclete, descending upon us, because as 
he ascended, the Holy Spirit came down and the church was made, so to speak. Uh, and the mystical body of Christ is on earth mm-hmm. through the presence of the church. And we become part of that through the sacramental life. Um, so we relate to Christ personally, but and we partake of the divine nature in the Eucharist and by the power of the Holy Spirit become part of the church that the whole of which is seen as mystically as the body of Christ, which the person of Christ is the head. Um, and so the prayer is, O oh God, let me partake of the divine nature and enter into the mystery of the Trinity through the Eucharist. I ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns, etc. Um, so I'm imagining this threefold process of the baptism, confirmation, uh, Eucharist. And the way that it transforms me, one hopes. Um, then there is number seven. Um, this one is um, a, again the Ghent altarpiece. Um, yes, I've got. So the same cathedral or the same church. Yes, it, and it actually sits above. So you have that, the, the previous one had this half sun uh, abutting, if you like, the, right. the, the horizontal part of the top of the painting. Okay. Um, and then sitting above it in the gold, gold altarpiece are these three panels with this figure in the center who kind of looks like he's Christ, but it's, it's actually ambiguous because on the floor, of the, he's flanked incidentally by Our Lady on the left, the Queen of Heaven, and John the Baptism on the right, John the Baptist. Uh, but on the floor, in front of this figure, who looks like he's Christ, and he's, he's, bless, he's got the blessing hand signal, is the crown, which we normally associate with the sun. He's wearing this sort of tiara sort Looks of like thing. like the papal Yes, it, but it's actually associated with God the Father. Oh, okay. Hmm. And the, it, it's, it's debated who this figure is meant to be. Hmm. Uh, now, to me... I think that this is the sun, but we, we, that, that the way that I am interpreting it in this um, meditation, so that I don't, you know, just in case I'm in error historically, but I've always thought of this for myself as the Father seen through the Son. So I remember that Christ said, those who have seen me have seen the Father. Yeah. And so this is really that what the beatific vision is. We, we relate... Uh, in a most profound way in the spirit to the son and through the son we behold the father we enter into the mystery of the trinity and we we partake of this um, exchange of love between the persons of the trinity um, and participate in the creative work of god in redeeming the whole world and so that's what i imagine that i'm i'm seeing the father through the son in the spirit that's what the worship of god is and it's what it's leading us to and that is our um, the promise to us um, in the next life is that we are raised bodily and we will uh, see the Father uh, in union with God and so the prayer the petition here is uh, blessed be God our Father in heaven whom I behold through Jesus in the spirit and then the prayer, the actual petition within this structured meditation is, O oh, Father, grant that 
all that I deeply desire and all that is good for me in accordance with your will. I ask this through Jesus Christ who lives and reigns, etc. So um, I'm asking that he grants what previously I prayed for mm. in and I asked Mary to pray for and the saints to pray for as that he hears the prayers and grants them to me. All right, now take us through the final image. Right, so uh, this is the transfiguration. So this is the famous scene uh, prior to the, the Passion um, in which he went on the hilltop to pray with the three apostles um, and they saw him transfigured, shining with the uncreated light, um, flanked by the two prophets, Moses and Elijah. And in this one, which is a, an, a, an Eastern icon, which I uh, got for online, um, the three disciples are knocked off their feet, so to speak. And tradition, and again, you see that shape, that uh, intersection of two circles, that envelope with the pointed ends around him. Again, this is showing that this is the anticipation of the heavenly Christ who is the, the creator. Um, so it's a momentary step, a temporary step mm -hmm. into the, the heavenly reality, which in time is in the future, which of course, but heaven is timeless. And so it's as though the timeless bit is, is so, somehow touching all of history and just bursts through mm. at certain moments. Um, and so uh, this, um, I'm thinking here of when I am putting it here at this point of, of, of the Christ as the mystical body, this is the mystical body of Christ who is the church, um, who shines with light and draws people to himself. So it's the evangelizing church of which I am a part and one hopes that in my life I can be a pixel of light that shines with the light of Christ through this supernatural transformation which this pilgrimage of exit and return is gradually and by degrees um, realizing in me and will be fully realized in the, in the next life. And so the petition here, uh, sorry, the statement, the opening statement when I see the painting um, is blessed be Jesus Christ, the mystical body and his mystical body, the church, transfigured and shining with uncreated light. And then the prayer, O oh God, let me shine with the light of Christ as I go out into the world that I may draw others to you for their joy and peace and your greater glory through Christ our Lord. And so this then is the point at which in the Mass I am dismissed, ita missa est, go to love and serve the Lord. Um, and I want to go out transformed, um, partaking, participating in that transfigured Christ and by my actions, despite myself, draw other people to Christ. And um, it's a, a nice point actually, just to dwell on this a little bit longer, I think, for this, this podcast. There is a book um, which, um, in fact, it was recommended by Scott Hahn. He, and something I read, I think, he referred to a book by someone called Jean Courbon, Jean as in the French spelling uh, J-E-A-N, and Courbon, I think, is C-O-R-B-O-N. He is the person who wrote the fourth section of the Catechism on prayer. Hmm. Uh, I, I think he's alive. Uh, 
still. Uh, but um, he wrote that section of the Catechism. And he wrote a book which is published by Ignatius Press called The Wellspring of Worship. And that's the book that Scott Hahn uh, referred to. And in this, he talks about how the, the liturgy is the centre of all life uh, for the Christian in, in, in this, this life. And that um, just this image of Christ as the mystical body of Christ as the church shining with light and we are those pixels of light um, and there's, there's some wonderful uh, he, he talks about how this wonderfully about how this uh, transforms the culture that we then go out into the world we love God and man and we have God's grace uh, to the degree where we're, we're able to cooperate um, guiding our actions and it's the loving actions with others that will draw others to Christ it will also one hopes guide all the work we do so as an artist we, I might paint beautifully um, any sort of craftsman but, but it really it applies to all human activity uh, and this is what the Christian life is this uh, doing things gracefully beautifully lovingly for the good of our neighbour um, so that it it draws people to Christ in what we do. And that is really the template for the, the evangelization of the culture. And this is why uh, I was so excited by this book. It, it's really made that connection all the more real um, as, to, as to how all this prayer and mysticism and holiness and all that sort of stuff that we've been talking about, where, where, where does it... Um, come out and the answer is um, that first of all it is real that this that this encounter with God in the liturgy uh, there is a real encounter there but then we come out and it informs and guides and helps and transforms us so that we can then do things in um, in a way which is in harmony with God's will this this is um, it informs our intuition so much, but but also all our faculties. Our reason will be more reasonable. Uh, we'll, we, we'll be more in accord with the faith, um, and it it guides us. Uh, or the, the the possibility of guidance is there in all that we do, um, and so that icon of the transfiguration is what then allows me to connect this mysticism, this otherworldliness, if you like, with genuine ordinary life the material world and what we do in our everyday lives it's it, this is how the two are connected and one informs the other um, and then one hopes we come back to church not only by ourselves but with those we meet you've been listening to the way of beauty podcast conversations on catholic faith and culture for more information go to thewayofbeauty.org and if you want to buy the book go to amazon.com